0: What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. PJ Fiddler. I'm a longtime fan of his. Um, I showed his work when I was the curator at the Voice 1156 Gallery. Um, he's been laying low for a couple years now and is back in the painting game. He uh, spent some time getting his business put together and uh, put in, forming a family. So it was great to talk to him again. Um, it had been some time. Good to catch up and uh, see what he's been up to over the last couple years. Uh, he sat down with me from his studio in Los Angeles via Skype. We talked fucking and fighting, art center, universal favorites, mentors, independence. Painting Breaks, Monotony, Finding Meaning, Starting Over, Motion Graphics, Mediums, Michelle Buckman, Republican Conspiracy, Healthcare, Getting What You Give, The Pixie Show, and The Art of Skinner. So as always, make sure you go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com, click on the blog and you'll get all the links and information about each show and uh, all, the, the, all the artist links as well. As always, it's a pleasure to have uh, Individual Clothing as a sponsor for the Live Free Podcast. Uh, Make sure you go check them out at indvsl.com. Go over there and check out all the gear they got. They got some really cool designs, and they're supporting um, artists in the community, so that's always rad. Uh, If you donate to the podcast, of course, you can always do that by going on the blog, clicking on any of the episodes, and at the top, you'll see a, a, a PayPal logo, that um, says donate, click on that, and uh, you can donate via PayPal. Anyone who donates $10 or more will get a t-shirt from Individual Clothing, and uh, maybe I'll throw, I have some zines around here, my new zine is out, so um, if you donate 5 bucks or more, I'll throw in a zine as well. Um, and of course, it's, it's $10 or more for the shirt, but if you get the shirt, maybe I'll throw a zine in too, what the hell. Um, so with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. PJ Fiddler. All right, let's give PJ a call. What's going on? Yo, brother. How are you? Good, man. How are you? Let's see if How we can get good? our videos up here.
1: Ah, right, cool. My, oh, here we go.
0: There's my ugly mug.
1: Okay, uh, let me see if this is right. There we go. How's it been, man?
0: Yeah, buddy. Mr. PJ Fiddler.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's good to talk to you. It's been a while.
0: I know. We haven't seen each other for a minute.
1: It's been a while. Every time I'm down there, I'm like running around trying to see family. And then, you know, the usually it's like a two-day sprint. And then the next thing you know, it's all done. So it's like, I don't see anybody else except family, it seems like.
0: And that always happens when you go on trips, too. Like, you have all these grandiose plans of all the people and things you're going to see. But it just, it, it never works when you only have a two-day period.
1: Exactly. exactly. But we're going those horse races, man. If you're down, uh, I think it's next week. i got to check with Deb. Um, we're doing our last, uh, we have a baby on the way. We're having, like, a little baby moon to San Diego. You know, watch the horse races and maybe stay down there somewhere. Nice. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll yeah, see I'm
0: I'm down for sure. All right, nice. Well, uh, thanks for taking the time to shoot the shit with me, man. I appreciate yeah, it.
1: Man. Thanks for having me.
0: We uh, we've known each other a while, and like you said, we haven't seen each other in a minute. Um, you were one of the first artists that I showed at my gallery when I started uh, doing a curating gig back yeah. back years ago. I don't yeah, even know the was, number. Those
1: are, those are the good times.
0: Yeah, the good old days. <laughs>
1: yeah, the good old days.
0: Well, um, let's jump back. Did uh, did you grow up in California?
1: I did. I grew up in uh, Central California in a town called Tulare. Um, it's in between, it's right next to Visalia, and in between Fresno and Bakersfield.
0: Nice. Is that is that nice?
1: Can that uh, be referred to as nice? It's it's kind of nice. You know, it's uh, it's one of those towns where you know there's nothing happening. Every one of my friends have DUIs, and you know there's nothing to do except get girls pregnant. So <laughs> I have I have a friend who has literally he has five kids. I, uh, Five or six kids. Hey, Michael, I think I have direct T V here. Give me one second. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Is that okay? Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a fun town, but like the saying goes, like, you know, you got hay on the left, alfalfa on the right, and all you got to do is fuck, drink, and fight. <laughs>
0: so, 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 you
1: know, I'm, I'm more afraid to actually, every time I go back and if we go to bars, just, I'm more on edge than anywhere else, just because, you know, no one has anything else to really do. So it's like you always run into trouble.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny. Idle hands will, uh, will it's find good. those things. That's
1: very true. It's so true in that town. So so it's
0: a, like a farming community.
1: Yeah. Basically a lot of dairy farms and things like that. And, uh, you know, they also have a new outlet mall there. So you get, you know, it is growing. I saw my first couple of bums there not too long ago. So it's definitely growing as a city, but, um, you know, that small town mentality is definitely still there. And, uh, you know, it's, I, every time I go back, everyone thinks I'm an actor or something because I live in L.A. <laughs> okay. So it's just one of those things where you go, you know. my All my family's still there. We're actually going back tomorrow. It's my grandma's 93rd birthday.
0: Nice. Happy so, birthday, Grams. Yeah, yeah she's, she,
1: she's good. She's good to
0: go. That's awesome. So yeah. do you think, it's interesting, I think, sometimes in communities like that, you'll get, like, those three things that you said. Yeah. Or sometimes those communities breed creativity, right?
1: I think so. I mean, there's a lot of, I think of that town, you know, there's a couple of uh, good friends of mine. I don't, Do not you know David Flores? Yeah. Yeah, David Flores is from Tulare. We went to the same uh, high school, and we actually ran around together when we were young quite a bit. And, uh, you know, and seeing his stuff and seeing him blow up as well is really great to see. You know, there's a handful of people. I was looking through your interviews, I guess Paul Chatham. He lives in Vicilia right now or something. Yeah, he
0: just moved up there, I think, over like a year ago or two years ago or something, him and his lady.
1: That's pretty, you know, houses are super cheap. And trust me, I've always, especially having the baby come away, I I got many babysitters there. But, you know, here in L.A., not so many. But I don't think it's anywhere I'd want to ever live back again, so.
0: Well, when did you get get to L.A.?
1: Uh, I've been here about 15 years, 16 years. I came... I wanna say ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah, I came down to go to art center or I went I came down just to live in LA. I didn't have any clue what what the hell I was gonna do. So I think I got denied for Cal Arts at the time and art center, somehow I found Art Center. I wasn't very uh, you know, we didn't have much internet then, I don't think, and uh it's amazing now how much stuff you can do and find. It's it's great. I wish I was a little younger to be quite honest.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I I talk about it all the time, but I feel kind of privileged to have had that non-internet time. Yeah, in... you know,
1: I, I agree, and it's, uh, you know, looking back and, I mean, seeing, like, black and white TVs, and I remember the first time my uncle had, like, a, a TV remote control, uh-huh. and, you know, I remember he scared me, he said, oh, I'm going to put you in the TV with this thing, <laughs> 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 you know, and I, but looking back, you know, it is pretty cool, I'm just really interested in the future on what, you know seeing how much the internet's blown up in the last 5 to 10 years, where it's going to be in the next 20 to 40, and just imagine what kind of stuff's going to be going on then.
0: The growth is so exponential yeah, by now. Exactly. Like exactly. Just looking at it, it seems like a different world. That's like, I, I talk about how YouTube is a, is a fucking time machine. Like, you can go back to the 80s right. and look at what people and things were like, and that's, that's a true. different fucking world. If yeah. you just thought about it in your memory... It would seem like oh well that was that time period that i was in it seemed normal at the time so you don't really think about it but having that like frame of reference to look at with the internet being like the ultimate historian just about
1: that's a good way to look at it i think that's pretty interesting you know and it's true and uh you know your memory is always gonna uh, fool you i think too on how good some of the stuff or how cool you looked on some of the stuff sure
0: you, and it's like right now like we're gonna look silly as fuck oh in 10 God, years I know, I
1: know i try to keep my look you know like the 50s where it's some straight jeans and a t-shirt and you know, i think that's gonna stick around hope.
0: Yeah, there are some favorites that i think are universal
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Well, um, were you making stuff but before you decided to go to to art center? What, what,
1: what... yeah, you know, I was uh, I was taking some classes in the at COS College of the Sequoias when after I graduated, and you know, and that like I said, that town was like you're gonna work. I i have got a job at uh Hoggenda's like the day after I graduated high school, and my family's all in construction, I did that stuff, but you know, it really made me want to go to school because I was lifting these hundred like 150 pound drums of peanut butter or something like that. And I think I only weighed one 130 at the time. So I realized the first day I was like, I don't want to work like this. And I just, you know, I want to go and see what else is out there. So I had, I went to college there, um, and I was winning, you know, some painting award contests there for just little paintings I was making up in my head. And so, uh, I knew I wanted to get out cause I saw a lot of my friends just having babies or getting in a lot of trouble. And, um, I think it was time, so, and I had some cousins and uncles who lived down here, so their space opened up, and they told me to come down, and, uh, you know, luckily I was able to do that, and he, they actually, my uncle's the one, he's a, he does audio-visual stuff, and he does a lot of big homes, and uh, someone, one of his clients who worked at Disney told, told him about Art Center. actually, I had no clue about it.
0: So, it seems like that's so important to have, like, some mentor types, like opening up new avenues for people and like creative types to show them that that's something that is available.
1: I totally agree because it's, uh, you know, especially in that town, it's like, you know, I'm the third or fourth generation and everyone who's worked there, or, you know, my dad, my grandpa, or my great grandpa, they were all in construction or, you know, it's like, that's all they knew. And just to have my uncle who had left to come down here for acting, you know, he always kind of taught us like, you know, look what else is out here type stuff. And, you know, I remember coming down here and he got me an interview at some big ad agency. Just, you know, they trusted him and I came, to, I didn't even have, like, I had to borrow dress shoes. It was like some Okie coming down to the city, you know, and I remember my portfolio I was going to show them. And I had one of those old paper portfolios with, like, comic drawings on them and just weird, you know, naked girl drawing. And that was my portfolio when I walked into this major ad agency. And the lady was really nice. I mean, just looking back on it, was—it was before Art Center, you know, before I knew anything about, you know, anything in the art world. You know, I just thought, oh, I'm gonna totally get this job and stuff. <laughs> and uh, you know, I went and she was, she's all, and she recommended you, know, you should go to art school. And it was just such a weird scenario. Here I am with borrowed clothes and a, uh, you know, paper portfolio and there's guys in these you know 500 hundred dollar suits walking by and sitting by me i'm just like this is really strange yeah so that's it was awesome. definitely a learning experience
0: well do you think some of that like idea of you know as an artist you have to be pretty independent and, and self uh disciplined in terms of getting down and doing the work if you don't have some boss over your back and i think sometimes there's like that because i come like my father was in construction and you know it seems like my whole heritage has been like people who worked with their hands but there's like a level of independence to those guys you know a lot of times they they eventually go out on their own and become an independent contractor or or however those processes work do you think you got some of that independence is getting passed down through the genealogy
1: yeah i think for sure i do because you know uh a lot of they all really bust their butts um and they still do my dad's still an iron worker and he, you know, he's, well, it's what is he, 57 now? But he still gets out there and just, you know, throws that still around. It's really impressive. But, um, you know, my aunt was an artist. She was the only kind of more artistic one in our in our family. But she always kind of pushed me a little bit to, you know, draw. And, you know, when I was younger, she used to draw tattoos on me. And, you know, now I'm here with tattoos. And I I tell her, she's like, oh don't blame me on that stuff. But uh, there's some great pictures of her, like, always, you know, like at the art fairs and stuff just painting us and it was really cool to see so it's fun to go back and still talk to her because now she does a lot of glass art and I, I know she's proud of me for as far as I've came but um you know I see her really striving now and pushing it and she's winning some new awards and things like that too so um but I think yeah I think that independence comes from just having you know a fairly strong family and people just uh, you see it. You have to work because you don't. You won't eat. You know, it's that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you know, I I talk about this quite a bit in terms of like if I don't make the work, it makes my brain crazy. So there's it's almost like a medication, like a an anti psychotic medication that keeps me on an even keel too. Yeah, you know?
1: I think uh, you know I went through a little you know a couple eras where I'm just I'm getting back into it now because there was a time where I was just doing the illustration work. And you know, that's really hand to mouth where you're, you know, okay, you gotta hustle, hustle. And I think there's something to be said about really hustling as an artist, because now where I took, you know, a year or two off really to focus on getting like something steady, like a graphic design company going. And we have, that. me and my wife ended up having that, getting that making that. And now, but you know, kind of cut away, I wasn't drawing, I wasn't doing a lot of artwork. And I really, it really affected me, I think, where I would go in and you know when you're out of practice you're just so mad at yourself and but now I'm really back to the point where okay I'm I'm trying to get in my studio at least four hours a day. And now that the graphic design side of things is, is paying more of the bills, I you know, there's a comfort level there too that I almost think kinda hurts as an artist. is great as a family man, but it hurts as an artist I think because I think that struggling, striving artist and always trying to hustle something up is is really what drives I think it drove me a lot in in paintings in the past and now it's relearning to uh you know love it again I guess because there was a time where it was work and it really bummed me out I was like well shit if I'm gonna work then I'm gonna you know I can make more money doing something else and when you lose that love of painting and drawing I think you have to uh you know maybe it's time for a break but where now I'm I'm actually getting up and excited to go in the studio and just to draw even if it's just a you know, doodle around in my sketchbook. I'm really, I'm leaving happy
0: again. Well, let's talk about that because that's interesting. I kind of feel like I'm hitting that same spot, and I think I wonder if it comes with age. Because I know you're, you're probably like a generation ahead of me in terms of how long you had been working. Because you know, I had been seeing your stuff for a long time, like right. late '90s into the early 2000s when I when I took the time to show your work. Yeah, exactly. and you were doing a lot of stuff. You're always out there, always out there. Yeah, I- and. It was noticeable that you took a sort of a step back, and like, and we haven't spoke, so we haven't really been able to talk about right. it too much. We, um, maybe a, a message here and there, but dog,
1: barking. you got terriers. Uh, you know, I I think mainly, hey, uh, mainly it was, uh, you know, you start the the interesting thing about that period too is you know you're fresh out of school and you're just busting your butt and wanting to do stuff and you know really push the work and you know at the time. Yeah, I think it just came out. There wasn't so many art magazines that really were going towards that stuff. And so there was a handful of people at the time where I think now there's so many people doing it, which is, is great, and there's some amazing work. But um, I think then it was also just a special time, uh, for me anyways, where it was, you know, you had this really tight community of artists and friends, and, uh, you know, you're pushing your work, and that's what you wanted to do. And, uh, you know, once Student Loans came around, it's like, shit, I better start you know, busting my ass or getting to finding some other way to do it. But I think there does come a time where, you know, I learned, I think for me, like I learned, okay, this is a kind of, to, uh, simplify, This is like a, how I do a PJ Fiddler painting. I know what, it, you know, what people are seeing and what they're looking for. And I was able to bust them out really quick. And I don't know how much of my heart was still in some of them at the end of that kind of era. And I think that was where I needed to step back because I don't, I wasn't pushing myself. And I think once you're not really pushing, and this is in any line of work or any, you know, any thing you're doing, is I think it's time to kind of take a step back and reevaluate what's going to make you happy. And it's not always about money. I mean, obviously we all have to pay bills, but uh, you know, if you have something else you can do, that's also great. But at, you know, that being said, I really missed um, when I did kind of take that break. You know, things fly by in this world so quick, especially the art world and. Now, where I, when I came back, now I'm cold calling some galleries and really getting, you know, maybe not the best, uh, you know, just things aren't going how I thought they might be. I thought it'd be a little easier, you know, with mm-hmm. the past work and stuff. But now it's almost like starting over, which is is nice at times, but it's, sometimes it's just frustrating because, you know, some of the galleries that might have really wanted to show you back then, I have a different... Uh, you know Outlook now and they're you know showing new artists which is great but I'm finding it a little harder to get into some of the galleries and really you know cold calling was doing that stuff at first was really I think hard for me too because you know that rejection is like oh shit all right well here let's start it all over again yeah that, that, you gotta let go of the ego rises. you gotta realize if you take that break you're almost starting all over again you know yeah, so, yeah I think as long as you're out there and it's that same saying out of sight out of mind. Right. Know, so but now, now with,
0: with the internet and the availability to get your voice out there, like, everyone can basically have their own television station if yeah, they wanted exactly. to. You could still be out in the public eye and still, you know, be doing your work on the side. So, like, I, I see that there's that fine line between, like, okay, here's what people expect of me and this is what sells. Right. And then it doesn't it doesn't feel right anymore. Like... Right. And I think it, and there's a the fine line is that you almost have to ride both sides of it because the galleries want you to sell that work that the that the buyers want to buy from you right. but and I found that there's almost like a, a unspoken set of rules that like if you get well known for a certain thing it's almost like you keep doing that certain thing over and over again and yeah. I found that was one of my one of my issues of getting more well-known is that i fucking change all the time like there's there's things that connect all the changes right but i'll i'll turn on a dime sometimes because i can't deal with that monotony i gotta change it up on myself
1: yeah i'm with you too on that it's uh and that's the hard part because you know you might run into someone well you know i think and, uh, you know, I love Jeff Soto's work and I, when he was doing a lot of the robots. And I remember him kind of saying when he stopped doing so many robots, people, you know, kind of rallied against it, which it's, you know, people want stuff, you know, that they're familiar with. And that's why you're, you know, but it'd be really hard. And it is hard. I mean, it, it has to be like a slow transition, I think, too. You can't just like, oh, I do, you know, I paint cars. And then all of a sudden, you know, I paint cars on the computer, and then now I'm doing, you know, master figurative drawings or paintings, you know, in oils and stuff. It's I think you you lose your fan base for one, and they're always going to want to see what you know what they liked in the first place. I think, but you might rebuild a new fan base, and I think that's kind of where I'm at with some of the newer work.
0: And you know, along those same lines too, I think probably for me, and I assume for a lot of other people when you start showing your work all the time, like you're doing a show like every three months or something, right. it becomes like a assembly line.
1: Yeah, it totally does for sure.
0: Yeah. you're just pumping out more pieces for the wall and you lose that, that heart, like you were yeah. talking about.
1: Well, I was just reading an interview with like uh, John Curran this morning. Um, and it was amazing just to see, you know, I really love his work and I've re- really been leaning more painterly styles lately and figurative stuff. And, um, you know, so he's really great at that. But I was just reading his this long interview, and and that guy might paint three paintings a year, you know, uh, three three paintings up to ten paintings a year. Where you know, when I paint, and they're smaller in size, obviously, but I used to just love to just bust them out and get them over with because you know I don't, I think it's my attention span or something because I just if I have a painting in front of me for more than you know a week or two, then I've lost interest on it. And you what, know, do you think that might be a reason?
0: Do you think that comes from our culture of sort of instant gratification?
1: I, I think, I definitely, I think so, because it's so hard for me to do, you know, like a, a master's, old master's painting where you're laying an underpainting down, you know, white or whatever, then coming over with colors on top of that, you know, I can, I can, I don't have the patience to paint like Mark <clears> Rothko <throat> and really have something, you are working on it for, you know, weeks or months, and it just, I mean, I lose a lot of interest, and I think that does part of it does come from that and I think my process is so like I'll sketch something and paint it you know not think too much about it sometimes where now I'm finding myself like oh well you know what's the meaning of this or that and this and really getting into you know if I have to have a long discussion about this piece in the future I better have you know have a solid base for it and that at times I think hurts the piece because I'm used to just painting whatever I want and not thinking about it so much. So there's that fine line I'm dealing with now as well.
0: Well, that's where that trick lies, is that it's in that process of clearing the mind that the yeah. ideas really come out in the work, and then you sort of get it like the painting tells its own story. You know?
1: Exactly, yeah, I totally agree with
0: that. So that's a, that's I t- you know Everyone always wants to know what each little piece is about and what it, what it is, and sometimes that's not, a, that's not that important.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I've always compared them to song lyrics, man. Like when you think you know a song lyric and you're singing it, you know, for fucking two or three years and then you read it and you were wrong and it says something totally different than what you thought. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of ruins that song, you know. Sure. It's like, ah, oh, damn it. So I try, you know, I'll speak about, and a lot of my paintings are really personal and, you know, they have just a lot of underlying personal meaning. And just to let that kind of shit out anyways, it just be like, well, just let the painting do its thing and, you know. I mean, that's what initially you paint. Well, at least I hope everyone kind of paints for themselves first. Um, cause I think once you start, like we talked about getting in to paint for the wall and sell paintings, I think that's where you start losing it. And I think, you know, where the work can still be great. I think maybe you lose a little bit of, uh, of yourself in that.
0: That instant gratification thing. It, you, I think I, we, we see this in a lot of creative types is the the need to feel a sense of accomplishment. Like for me, I, I feel accomplished after every new piece. Like
1: yeah, yeah I
0: just fucked that up right there. Yeah, like I did but... that thing, I started it, I finished it, and now it's done.
1: Yeah. So there's
0: something that like it's almost like a little like dopamine dump that yeah. we get from that. And it's like a crack addict wanting to go back and get that that finished dump again, you know? <laughs> it's
1: true. It's true. When you do something great and you're like, wow, this is... Or something really surprisingly great that you didn't even expect you can do. It was like, I'm going to you know, go back in and do it. I think we all have our good and bad days, but those good days are really great when that happens.
0: And that's that important part, too, about just being yeah. free and open-minded where you're making stuff. Instead of like, I'm going to make this thing that's this thing about this other thing. Right. It's because you get those happy accidents and you find out oh, here's this new new pathway I could run down, this new set of ideas that I had no idea existed
1: before. Yeah, exactly. I think, too, uh, you know, it's anything. If you're overthinking it and not just working it. You, you might, you know, maybe you don't go in the studio because you're not too sure, and that's just another day of something magical that could have happened, you know? So I'm really, I'm trying to reteach myself to, all right, you need to be in the studio daily, four hours if there's not one idea just sit there and you know read about art do something like that if you're at a block and then I find once you get over that initial block all of a sudden you have like 10 great ideas that you might have did some rough sketches for and it's just a matter of stepping back and and painting them and you know I'm such a procrastinator anyways it's like you know I, I wait and wait until especially if there's a show coming up I'm like oh, I know I gotta get in there And you know, <laughs> Dad, my wife's always yelling you better get in there mom I don't know what I'm gonna do, you know? <laughs> so, and then, but that, you know, that 11th hour really kicks in. And I think that's something I learned in art school was how to pull something off overnight or something if need be. And sometimes, I don't know if that's good or bad, but like your creative juices sometimes need that, need to be scared. Like, oh shit, What? you know, you get in this corner almost and it's like fight or flight and you just, you know, you know, all of a sudden you bust something nice out, hopefully. That's it's, you,
0: you learn from those mistakes, man. Because it's like you do a week yeah. of really good drawings, and on the weekend you do one that just is, doesn't go anywhere, and it's just yeah. like you're just starting from scratch again. Yeah,
1: exactly. It, it's
0: humbling, right?
1: It's very humbling. It's like I'm pulling out my art school notes, you know, from fucking twelve years ago, whatever <laughs> it was. And I'm just like, oh, okay, this is how I paint. I forgot for a minute.
0: Well, when those moments come up, are there things... Like you mentioned, like, just reading about art or whatever. Are there things that you like to do that sort of become inspirational after the fact? Like, like I, th- it seems like there's a lot of mythology that comes through in the work that you do. And again, maybe I'm just implanting my own sort of personal experience into it. But right. there's a lot of... um religious mythos and sort of underlining darkness that comes through sometimes
1: like, I think, I think think it is. And I think, you know, I get that a lot. And I think I used to defend that or, you know, uh, rally against that more, you know, because at the time I didn't see it, but I, I'm now that I have kind of a, you know, you get to stand back a little bit and look at old work and new work. And you know there is, I'm always aware that that's kind of darkness is going to be there no matter what it, I mean, I could paint butterflies or, you know, some, some flowers, it's probably still going to have something like that in it. But I think as far as getting over that, that kind of dry spell, I mean, I shit, man. I think I'm a, i am I think it's just working a little, literally sitting down and working through it because, um, you know, I try to sometimes, sometimes it's as easy as just taking the dogs for a walk and having that, you know, go for a walk for a minute and then come back and go, Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, it's almost like stepping away from your painting and realizing that oh, that's what was wrong with it, or you know, this is what it needs. But I wish I had a you know a, an all cure for that because trust me, I'd, I'd be using it quite a bit right
0: now. Yeah, no doubt. You did. You've done some still motion stuff. Like you, hmm. you had mentioned your uncle is involved in what you said some audio
1: yeah audio visual stuff uh he mainly does like surround sound houses oh okay things like just that. okay right my my motion graphic stuff and that's what you know thank god i took that class at art center because that's actually what i ended up getting work in after you know other than illustration work and well it
0: seemed like your work translated really well into that idea yeah. cause... i think
1: because a lot of my work too is you know i'll cut it out and repaste it and reuse it or something um and it worked perfect at the time for that stuff because they uh you know it's like stop motion animation back in the days where you take a picture and move move your you know maquette or whatever and uh it so it really worked good on that and you know i really enjoyed doing it it was a lot of work but uh you know i did the Flag molly video we did for that and so, just little tests and I, I would like to get back to doing some more of that stuff um for me it's more of a the stuff I want to do, I'd probably have to hire somebody to do more 3D, you know, stuff like 3D rendered stuff. Um, my my motion graphics mainly 2D background is, you know, I could pull off moving paintings around. but If I wanted to actually build something a little more 3D, I'd need someone's help.
0: I've always thought you you had like this, at least back in the day, I, I haven't seen new stuff in a while. Maybe maybe we can get some JPEG sent over. Yeah, I could yeah, put them I'll on send them over.
1: I'll send, because uh, I just had a show at Copra Gallery in February.
0: Nice.
1: And uh, I had a, and that was, you know, one, talking about ha- having shows back in the day and having shows now, one of the big differences was this was probably one of the first shows I didn't sell one piece at. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let's uh, another gut check but then i got them home and i ended up selling like three of them and it's you know it's you got to just tell yourself you know hopefully someone will buy them later you know money wise you need i'd like to get at least the frame money back on them
0: (laughs) right yeah (laughs) gotta at least break even
1: yeah exactly but um you know that stuff but i'll send some over for sure
0: okay cool yeah I'll, I'll, i'll put all that stuff on the blog so people could check out uh what all this stuff looks like, and then, That's but I mean, I, I was gonna say that that dirty, grimy style I think was a big influence on me. Like, I, even like, I think it was after we met I started using like that amber shellac. Even, oh yeah, yeah. like just getting loose. Like, That's there's tough. there's a, a sense of freedom to the stuff that you make. It looks yeah. like it's really um, cerebral, cerebral like frame of thought, like really clear, just going. And, and i, I hope the, that I hope that stuff comes through in the in the new work as well. Do I you think see it? it's
1: it's on a borderline of it because it's more of the newer works are were oils and just trying to work back in the oils and you know not really being able to really cut and paste too much oil stuff together. I mean, I did. And I think some of them might fall apart in fifty years, but I'll, I'll probably be <laughs> gone by then. But um, you know, it's it was it was a different way of working that way, and uh, I think I. I take it back to like being a kid. Do you remember like when you would get those sticker packs and they'd have like, you know, all these little stickers and a background of like a, you know, dinosaur background, but you had all the dinosaurs and you kind of cut yeah. and paste how you wanted. And I, that's really comes out in some of the, you know, at least the older work. I love just having something and cutting it out and not even knowing what the hell I was going to do with it. And then like, oh, this looks good with this. Oh, and then like this whole story would grow out of just putting these two images together. And it's a little harder with uh, the oil stuff, but I think it's, it's leading up to getting back to that, but in oils, I guess.
0: Were you, you, you were using mostly acrylics before well, that?
1: acrylics, but a lot of... Uh,
0: mixed media?
1: Yeah, some mixed media, some, uh, you know, old children's books and things like that, that, um, you know, just little things like that. But the, uh, the acrylics were also done, I tried to do a lot of it kind of like that old master style where, you know, a lot of glazing. Um, just light layers of glazes and things, and uh, I really like that. Now it's just a matter of trying to redo that in oils. The thing that sucks with oils is I have to wait a day for something to dry, and <laughs> to do that, with that, I have a blow dryer. Yeah, done you not know, five you're minutes. Just going to town.
0: <laughs> I think something that I, I really enjoyed before was the the sort of dichotomy oh. of like that intentional sloppiness with yeah. uh, with like really rendered. Uh, figures and and like side imagery along with even like the line drawing stuff is that even doable with the oils do you feel like you had mentioned things are getting more painterly do you do you feel like using that particular or switching into this or readjusting into this medium that you're almost more inclined to be more smooth and you know, more blended and rendered, even though there, right. you did that before, but with acrylics and I talked, I talked about this yesterday, actually like with acrylics, you, you're not really getting that smooth of blends. You have to mix the color to make the eye think that it, it's blended. Exactly, yeah. And that's you're something I learned from you too. Like being able to, to put a depth to things within like a three step process, you know, with like right. a few shades of color. Cause I think before I became a fan of yours, I, I was pretty strictly line work with just, like, some gray shading.
1: Right, hard line, yeah. Yeah, exactly. A lot of your early zine stuff, right? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. It's kind of like that, yeah. I just got a new
0: Uh, zine out now. I'll send you up one.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Um, Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think it's just a matter of rethinking the, the process, too, because, like we talked about, is... You know, some of those older paintings I could throw together really quick and and like them. But now I'm sitting there like looking at an oil painting that's still waiting to drown. Like I didn't paint that right. I didn't paint that tone right or that shape right. You know, I got wiped that all off. And, you know, it's just a matter of relearning. But I have found like after I was finished with a couple. And this is the first time, you know, for that show in February that I went to oil. And that they, uh, you know, it was really a nice... Learning process too. Some of the stuff after the show, I've been going back to acrylics and kind of in between, I guess, as well. But still trying to keep it loose. And you know, I don't really know where the hell they're gonna go. They might just end up, you know, piles of shit. But (laughs) at least I try it.
0: Sure. Is that? Are you are you that type of person to go out and want to try new things and like dabble in new uh, new hobbies? (laughs) Are you a hobbyist?
1: (laughs) I wish I was. I think to a certain degree, I do. I'm also a real homebody as well, and you know, as I get older and with a kid on the way, I know we'll be here a lot more. But even just going to shows now—that's one thing I really miss. About like you know, ten years ago or five years ago, I really enjoyed going out to shows, and I think, you know, at least in the LA market, a lot of the stuff got so saturated and you know, big-eyed girls and things like that, and I'm just like, you know, I don't want to see it. Just wasn't piquing my interest, and then. You know some of the higher end art so you say was you know big sculptures and things like that really started to impress me again i was like you know i haven't thought about taking a a big sculpture class or trying to get into school for sculpting something because i thought it'd be such a cool thing to do um other than painting you know but i think it was a matter of just finding a balance as long as i'm always creating i'll be happy
0: Are you a musician? Do you do you play? No,
1: I can't play a damn. (laughs) Uh,
0: For some reason, I thought you were in a band.
1: uh, No, that's one thing. That I think music and drawing cars are probably my downfall. I can't do either (laughs) one of those.
0: (laughs) Cars are hard to draw.
1: Oh man, any straight lines. I just you know I was even talking earlier like I think I'm gonna force myself to like paint a castle or draw a big castle. But like architecture. I've not never been a big fan of doing it. You know, just things that I hate. I wanna sit back and go, All right, why am I hating this? Is it because it's you know, I can't do it well yet or so it's like that trying to challenge yourself too to do some of that stuff. Yeah, I wish I could sure. play it. I mean, I have I already have a plan for my daughter that, you know, we're, I'm gonna get her on the piano just so I could learn it. And way, <laughs> you know, at least I'll have an instructor there. And uh try to get some kind of music musical talent out of me, I hope. Yeah. It'd be nice awesome. just you know, play chopsticks. I don't know. What about writing? I mean I used to write a lot more and I don't know what it is. Uh just little poetry things or something like that. And um I need to, I'd like to get back into it. I think like I said, with the whole struggling artist part, that's you wanna really vent your issues and now I'm really at a happy point in my life, you know. And uh, it's hard to sit there and gripe. I guess I could write a bunch of happy thoughts, but I mean, for the most part, I'm pretty happy, and um, it makes it harder to write, I guess, poetry or something like that for me. Yeah, well, Um, it seems like I don't have that need.
0: I think as artists, we're sort of like self-historians. Like, we're leaving all these remnants of who we've been throughout this world while we're here, you know? Yeah. So I feel
1: he, sorry for whoever gets staffs to go through my studio. I don't even know what the hell's in here anymore.
0: <laughs> it'll for sure be interesting, I'm sure. Uh,
1: yeah, they'll have a good time at least, I hope. Uh,
0: have you seen this M- Michelle Buckman? Michelle Buckman? Do you pay attention she, to politics at all? Oh,
1: yeah, one? yeah. She's the one who stares and...
0: Yeah, she was deep-throating the corndog recently. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. She, we watch Colin O'Brien quite a bit, and he's always <laughs> ragging on. Her.
0: Holy Christ. I, I Have you heard this conspiracy that the Republicans are actually trying to throw the election just to give Obama shit for another four years? Because they know it's going to all go to shit. <laughs> you know, it's going to be another four years of fucking roughness. So yeah. it's like, why bother it's, taking that up?
1: They, uh, you know, when it comes to politics, I, I just watch and I... I just kind of watch in disbelief because it's like, does, does everyone just fucking do this shit with blinders on? Because it's not Obama's fault that, you know, the last eight years were in shit, but no one wants to talk about that. And, you know, when they bring that up, oh no, it's his fault. But, you know, it's whatever he does, the next president will get all the claim for that too. You know, it's just that matter of, like I wonder if four, even eight years is long enough anymore to get, I mean, four years, I don't think is long enough at all. Because you barely get you know any anyone on board to what you're trying to do, and then all the paperwork and things like that. It's uh, I don't know. It's if, I wouldn't be surprised if they did throw it. And plus, do they have any you know liable candidates that would even? I don't know. I don't even know who I'd vote for. At this I point.
0: think Ron Paul has a chance, but yeah. even then, it's like he's just gonna get. They want to make him look like a crazy person because he'll say some fucking like really like interesting shit. And then he'll just say some bat shit, crazy shit that yeah. makes him look really bad.
1: It's hard to, it's hard to, I, I definitely don't admire anyone in politics. It's like I mean, a big I, fucking it's show.
0: It's a big fucking play that is just yeah. like, uh, it's, it's just entertainment now. It's like, it's like the WWF or something.
1: And no one's really, you know, you wonder about who's really caring about the issues of the people. And what well, my biggest thing was, I was really happy about Obama, was doing the you know the public public health plan because my dad is going through this whole thing and you know he's a republican but I had to tell him you know call him out like he didn't have you know and he's he's not a he's a poor republican basically because he does, he had to pay for his own insurance and he's having some health issues I'm like this is what Obama's trying to fix dad you know you go to the hospital and I have to pay all this money and you know I was really sad when that stuff is still kind of just got blown aside and you know and now we're having a baby, and we're just like, and I pay for my own insurance, and it's super expensive, so, you know, now that's the kind of stuff where issues matter to me more, you know, I think to, you know, 98% of the people out there, you know, you have a lot of poor families that, shoot, when you go to the hospital, you're the one who gets charged 18 grand for, you know, something stupid, and then how you got to pay that off, you got to pay them payments, and you know no one else sees that.
0: That's and, we're you know, doing an event for a local guy who who runs a a skateboard shop who's super supportive of all the local artists. Right. He um was bombing a hill and crashed, got a serious head injury, has been in ICU for like 3 weeks. Yeah. You know, which and he has no insurance. And he's going to be that's, fucked.
1: Exactly. Yeah, when he comes I mean that's and it, it, and I don't know how you solve that in politics, but you would think you just take you know the mass should rule and I don't think they do right now.
0: The problem is greed.
1: Yeah, totally greed. It's uh and I understand if you have the money, you don't want people having it, but there's such a substantial gap between the people who have it and the people who don't. And they're at, I mean, something has to change one way or another or it's, you know, it's just going to keep getting worse. And one thing I know, we, Deb and I went to Italy last year for a vacation. Man, man, I, I loved it. I just loved like, you know, everyone seemed to be proud to have the the garbage girl, you know, this hot lady do, taking out the trash outside in an orange suit. She was like happy to have her. You know, they all took pride in everything they were doing as well. And I think on the flip side, we also do have this sense, you know, of people owe us things for some reason here. You know, you don't maybe you don't have to work. Well, you know, I was not everybody obviously, but, um, you know, just people want to sit down and not do the work but complain about you know immigrants or anything like that coming in who want to do the work and it just i don't you know i think that's going to keep going
0: yeah we have a we have a it's, it's the separation this idea of like even having border lines is, is yeah, totally fucking ridiculous. ridiculous we all live in this like fantasy world and i mean it makes sense because you know even the idea of perception is sort of fantasy anyway we're just taking in light into our eyeballs and perceiving right. it as something in our brain right
1: yeah, for sure.
0: So shit can get weird. I think we just gotta be. It, the trick is to be more compassionate for one another. And if you could treat everybody like your brother or yeah. your sister, then you're not gonna want to shit on people. You're not gonna want to see somebody starve. You, you know, sure. you know, you're gonna the do hard the right part thing. Is
1: making others do that, you know, towards you or towards towards someone else. Um, you know, I think everyone gets set in their ways, and, and it's hard. I mean, I, you know. It's hard to just see someone out panhandling or something and not give them anything. But if you had to give some, every one of them something too, it's like, then I have nothing. You know, I think a lady, at one, here's a good example. Yesterday, there was this, this girl. She's I was in this, like a Seven Eleven. and I saw her drive up and she was in this nice-ass Jaguar Jaguar and she asked me for a dollar. Oh, shit. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Oh, I want to buy a lighter. Oh, you must... I don't know. I don't know what you're
0: talking about, man. Yeah, there's a disconnect some people have from even, and it's almost like a social um, autism, you know, like even though that's sort of a social disorder. Anyway, but the idea that people don't perceive the effects they have on others or even notice the idea, notice somebody else suffering. If you're just blinded by by your ideas of what society is, if you're some rich girl that just people hand money to or whatever, yeah, you know, exactly. you're not going to pay attention to any of that shit. Well, no, That's you know? too And, bad, and too. unfortunately you can't, ex- you can't expect anybody to do that either because we right. can only be responsible for our own experience, you know, and it, what, what we put out there is what we get back a lot of times. So I'm a
1: big believer too. Karma is a huge thing in my house. It's We're being attacked by ants right now. I'm having a really
0: hard time killing them all <laughs> those fuckers die you know i and take they spiders to, yeah, They
1: crossed the line i mean they they took out my we got a new kitchen and they they just took out my whole cereal uh cabinet
0: there's so, at uh, some point like there is work. self-preservation <laughs> exactly let's plug some of your internet stuff so people can go out there and check out your stuff like i said i'll put i'll post all your stuff up on the blog and links and stuff but uh, you're on uh so, What's your website? I'm on
1: Facebook as well, uh, but the best way to see a lot of the, most of the work is uh, pjfiddler.com, and uh, it says pjfiddle r.com, and that has some a lot of the newer work too. I need to change out the front page because it was from a, a show f- a month ago or two months ago.
0: Takes forever to do that shit, huh? My, I, know, I hate I mean, doing it. It's
1: your page too, man. That's but
0: why actually, I got the blog. I can keep the blog updated like that, but yeah, the website
1: we need to change that stuff out. Um, the only other stuff i really have going i have a show i booked a show at a gallery that i'm not too familiar with in in miami and uh for next next november because our baby's doing this november so i didn't want to take on anything too big you know not knowing how much time is gonna go this baby if i'm even able to paint or what so i wanted to space out stuff but i'm only doing some you know just group shows here and there which will keep me painting and uh all that good stuff so i'm in this, this pixie show in venice next beginning next month oh That's yeah it. i um
0: i was talking to kevin titzer weird yeah. is that how you say his last name i believe so yeah um about getting some of the artists from that show uh on the podcast leading up to it so i've been i i sent him a couple emails but i haven't heard back from him we were trying I'll, to set it up
1: yeah i'll shoot him one too and let him know. I mean, this this has been a great experience for me and plus just talking about art with you know, friends is always fun.
0: Yeah, it's nice, man. Go back and yeah. listen to a bunch of the episodes. It's the same thing, I just was, shooting shit. I was listening shit. to
1: a few before, uh, before I came on. I was, uh, yeah, forget who who was listening to. What's his name? He lives in Sacramento. Um, One of your newer ones, Skinner. Skinner, yeah, that was yeah, a good one. I like Skinner's work a lot because it's kind of like we talked about. He just seems like he has fun making it.
0: He's a you fun know, dude, man. He's...
1: I don't know what the hell half of it means, and I don't need to know. It just looks like it's fun, and, you know, just going for it. And uh, I think that's pretty amazing. And I did read about his little compound he was building up in Sacramento. I think that's all I think I want, but then all of a sudden I want to go have some sushi at a nice restaurant. And, you know, you can't do that if you're out in your compound. <laughs>
0: yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, all right, brother. Well, thanks again for doing well, the show, man. man. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, and so let's talk. I'll I'll, uh, I'll shoot some images your way, and let's talk about the horse races next week.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm in for sure. What is that, oh. the 28th or something next week? I, uh, I think
1: it is the 28th. Yeah, just I'll, send
0: me the I'll info. I'll double check with Deb. All right, brother. Let's do internet dap. Uh,
1: bam. Man, oh, where's my camera? Where there you go. Bam. <laughs> All right, brother.
0: Have, man, have a good day. All right, man. Later.
1: later.